All right, Black Box Radio, we have um, Leon Pankett today. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. How y'all doing today? Hope everybody's safe and healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. So kind of um, get the people acclimated on Leon Pankett. Tell us what you do professionally so we can unpack that. Yeah, so um, presently I'm the councilman for the 7th District of Baltimore City Council, which is uh, primarily West Baltimore. So I've been serving as the councilman for about three and a half years now. Um, worked in local government for over 20. So really embedded in the community, love my community and doing everything I can to serve. it. So how has COVID-19 kind of um, eroded what you do? Because you're also running for another office. So you're campaigning also. Right. So I'm, I'm, run, I'm also running for council president and uh, clearly campaigning the way that uh, campaigns usually happen um, isn't going to happen during this pandemic. Um, but I found myself, um, I guess, leading a different campaign because really during this time, it's about um, helping our, our residents, helping those who are most vulnerable, making certain that you know people get the resources that they need. So I guess if I don't, if I don't hand out a campaign flyer or, or put up a sign, um, it's more important for me to make certain people doing well. That's true. That's true. You are you have supposed to be of service. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's right. That's that's a beautiful thing. So, um, so you're campaigning for. So this is a question because I, yeah. I I'm not really that clear about city council. So if you're a, a part of the city council right now, as you are, yeah. and you're running for another position in the city council, do you have to give up your seat in District yeah. Seven? So, so I'm I would vacate the the current seat that I'm in in order to run for the council president, which is a citywide office. So there are 14 different districts in the council. And then mm-hmm. one one seat that is a citywide office. And so um, taking a big step up, um, walking in faith. But uh, I, I just believe that, you know, our community deserves resources. And presently, we don't get the resources we need. So um, there are two people who control that. It's the mayor and the council president. So I'm going for one of them. I love it. I love it. So if you vacated District 7, who would be actually the representative as of now? Well, there, there are other um, individuals. So I'm currently, I, w- I will remain as the council person for this district until the, uh, until my term is up in, in December. Okay. Got um, it. And then there are some capable um, men and women who um, are running for the seat. And I wish them the best um, as they, you know, um, try to fill my big shoes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they're running. And then, because we just talked to Brian Sims, so he's running. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, definitely they can they would actually be installed in december correct so as of now you are still the the acting i'm still, I'm still in charge so don't they, they can't just, push just me out yet yeah <laughs> they got to wait a while <laughs> they got to wait a while <laughs> okay they got to wait for easy lee easy right. lee, easy lee. <laughs> one and two i get it i get it do you have aspiration as a dj that is a I, oh, I mean, actually I, I used to I used to do a little DJing uh, when I was okay. in college. I was on a uh, radio station. I didn't have many listeners, but um, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> well, your name is real transferable, easy lead. You can go from the the turntables to the city hall. I love it, bro. Hey, and, and some of the hearings that we have, it, it really comes in handy being um, calm and mellow, um, yep. not easily disturbed. Um, so I, I, I wear that moniker well. Okay. That'll work. That'll work. So personally, you say you have children and um, how has this affected like the family? Because you're campaigning in this, 
COVID has definitely changed our new normal. So how has it helped her her personal life? I think one of the things that's probably hit me, you know, I guess more so personally is that I I believe I really have a heart of service. So there's really nothing that is going to be able to keep me in the house when I know other people, you know, have, have needs that I can potentially address. But at the same time, I have my own family that I've got to be concerned Sure. about their health and welfare. So um, I try to do everything I can to make certain I'm following the proper protocol so that while I'm reaching out to help somebody else, I'm not injuring my own family. Mm-hmm. But my family's been doing really well. Um, we actually like each other. So sheltering in place isn't a bad thing for us. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you really find out how much you like people when you got to spend seven weeks Real with time. them. But but, you know, sometimes we, we've got to take what would be a, a seem to be a detriment and, and really turn it into an opportunity. And so I'm hoping that, like my family, other families have come closer together. I'm going to be honest with you. I probably talked more to my with my mother over this pandemic than I than I should have been talking to her prior because I'm checking in with her and I'm calling and making certain. And sometimes okay. we, ne- we neglect those who are closest to us. Mm-hmm. It's so convenient. And so when that convenience is taken away, you, you really start to appreciate those relationships. So um, I think that's one of the things that I've gained the most out of this. Absolutely. Um, catastrophic, well, catastrophic events make you really smell the roses. You really look at things that matter, your relationships, your family. They matter more than the stuff that even running campaigning. Right. The most important people are the people who are right in the, ho- in the house with you or that you've come from. Mm-hmm. And you find that out when in these type of events. So um, I've seen that, too, in my own personal life. You know, I talk to my mom is in another state and I talk to her. I'm like, every call me when you get up. <laughs> I just want to make sure she's good. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's real important to make sure your parents are right. That's you know? right. And knowing that they're older and advanced in age. So I don't think I could be right if she's not right. You know what I mean? No, I, I know I couldn't. And, and one yeah. of the things that I've been um, telling my children, especially my son in the midst of this, is that um, crisis um, has the potential to um, to stir up creativity. And mm-hmm. um, if you if you look at the situation that we're in differently, um, open yourself up to, you know, to all of the new ideas that will come out of this that you would have never thought of before. And so I'm, I'm challenging, you know, my children and others around me to, to see the opportunities in the midst of this, on um, this disruption. That's true. I, and, and one thing I do know is black people are very creative people. That's a fact. And um, what I've seen in the communities now the men and the women working together and the in the feeding and the structuring yeah. and the supplies is so heartwarming. And so I know that this this time has created more community for us in a lot of ways. Where we are actually accessing each other. We're being very um empathetic to others. And I'm not saying that wasn't in this in the black community before, but I think we understand when this something like this, we were the last to get the resources. So if we don't do it ourselves, we're done. That's right. So uh, what I've seen is amazing. What do you think? No, it, it, it has been incredible. The, the amount of unity that um, I've seen displayed in, in our community is incredible. And I'm a, um, 
I'm an assistant pastor at my church. And um, and actually, I, I found myself writing this morning, just reflecting on on some things. And um, if, if we would be honest, a lot of times in the faith community, we had already started social distancing. Um, mm. We had distanced ourselves from our calling and from, in many instances, from the community that we were supposed to serve. Um, we mm. had already been wearing masks. Um, we had already been wearing gloves because we weren't touching people. And mm-hmm. my, my hope is that when we come through this and even in the midst of it, that, that we'll learn how to love people better. We'll learn how to reach out. We, we, we will extend ourselves in a way that maybe we, we didn't do before. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people come together, um, understanding that resources are scarce and that you've got to collaborate and you've got to partner. And um, it, it will be the, the, the test of this crisis will be once we come through this, will we revert back to some of the, the things that we used to do or will we continue to embrace this sense of unity that's come out of it? Hmm. Brother Pinky you just brought up a firebomb. You mean, you mean easily? E- oh, oh. <laughs> pardon me, pardon me, Eli. <laughs> Eli, pardon me. You you just said something that was so poignant because the black church has disappeared in the black community. That's the truth. Not completely. I'm um, not saying completely. I'm saying the way of nurturing the flock the way they used to when I was young. Yeah, there still, there still are um, so many that are doing great things, and so I, I, I you know, and and oftentimes, you know, we we beat up on the black church. But I think that, I think that the, 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 sometimes the assault on what's not happening in the black church is a result of the need that our community has for the black church to do what it has always done. And mm-hmm. so um, we, we've just got to, it's, it's there and it's always been there. Sometimes people just need to be reminded of their legacy, just re- be reminded of their, the necessity of the role that they play in the community. Exactly. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that this this pandemic is going to wake up some people, um, mm. some, some some churches, wake up some flocks to do um, what um, our community, what's been reserved for them to and them only to do in our community. Well, let me ask a question. In your church, have you seen uh, um, a lot of cases? Um, because churches, of course, you're a pastor, so you probably know more. How is your church faring with COVID-19, the flock? Um, the the so far God has been gracious. Um, we haven't had any. We've had two individuals who um, got the symptoms, so they tested positive. But um, you know they were able to self quarantine, and they um, not there were no serious health issues related to that. Um, we did have some members whose relatives passed away. So um, it's just been touching everyone, and and. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people, and this wasn't the case with these individuals, but a lot of people um, didn't realize how serious this virus is um, mm-hmm. because uh, you you don't see it immediately, and so and then there are some who are asymptomatic, so they they might have it, but they you know, look healthy, and so it's it's really dis- uh, a deceiving type of virus. When you get the flu. Mm-hmm. You know it and everybody around you knows it. But with this, you might not know it until it's too late. And so it's deceptive. Yeah. We've got to make certain that everyone, you know, 
around us, everyone in our community knows. And and if we would be honest, quite frankly, you know, I, I do a lot of work in the Penn North area where people are talking about people out there and they need to be sheltered. When you live in a community when the tra- where the trauma you face on the day to day is far greater than this COVID-19, um, you, you're not going to respond to it in a way that just because Governor Hogan gave you an executive order. Well, where was the executive order with the gun violence in my community or the other mm. health disparities in my community? You know, or the, the food insecurity that's always been in my community. So you you expect for me to all of a sudden, you know, jump for a, a enemy that I can't see when you don't care about the enemy that I see every day. So I don't. We we got to stop beating people up and, and show compassion and sympathy. Wow! Now you just said a mouthful. Who? Because pe- the people in Penn North they are living in atrocities. So yeah. COVID nineteen. That's a shorty to them. That's not a big deal because they got things going on that's that to them is bigger than something they cannot actually grasp or touch. Yeah, if 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 in certain communities, if people did not come outside because of the fear of an encroaching death, then um, they would have been in the house before COVID nineteen. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> um, this is this really this pandemic for you know so many, and not just in Baltimore but across the nation. It's just shed light on the epidemics that they already face on a day to day basis. And so mm-hmm. we, we, you know, sometimes you don't know the problems. You know, sometimes you don't know your roof has a leak in it until it starts raining. Well, it's raining right now. And we find mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of leaks in these roofs. And so we need to fix them um, if we really going to come out of this in the way that we should. That's the truth. And uh, when you sit as the city council president, we're going to need some uh, talk about the crisis of Baltimore because we're in a crisis, but we were in a pre-crisis before this crisis. And so so we have to step up and try to change the what's going on in Baltimore. These murders that are still happening during the pandemic is scary. It's sad. It's scary. It's sad. Um, We we have to. Look, we, we've got to have law enforcement. So I'm not saying that, but we've got to understand that the, the issues that we face aren't going to be um, cured by just pure law enforcement means. Um, they, these are systemic yes. structural issues that um, need to be addressed. And we and we could keep ignoring them and expect for them to change. Uh, we don't put the proper resources behind them and expect for them to change. Uh, we don't. Um, uh, put the pieces in place to make the next generation even more resilient. And we expect for things to change. And the shame of it is in, in, in most of the things that we're talking about are happening to black people. Mm-hmm. And the, the the shame of the matter is when you look at the majority of our elected officials, mm-hmm. black. And so <laughs> it, where, at, at what point do you become courageous enough to do the right thing for people that look like you? Uh, um, I, I should never have to apologize or make an excuse for sending resources to Sandtown, Winchester, or Penn North. Um, th- those are people that look like me. I should have a I should have a greater affinity for their their destiny. Not to not to say that you don't represent the whole city, but the whole That's city human. can't be the city can't be whole if we have communities that are um, sick like like so many. That's so true. But that's human. And we tend to because we're in such a country where we're in such a uh, a mindset because race is a social construct that was created. Mm-hmm. So um, 
what we do is we don't understand that nature is what it is and it, it always provides nurture. And a part of that is you see elephants hang with elephants. You see tigers hang with tigers. It's not because they hate other animals. It's because you only you usually gravitate towards what you are. That's right. That's it. White people are around white people. They want to live around each other. They, they're comfortable around each other because they're enculturated the same. The same thing with black people. But it's a problem when black people look out for black people. And that's the issue that I see because every culture looks out for each other. I, I don't know. If you don't, it's asinine to even be present. Yeah. It does not make sense to, to have something look like you and you hate it more than you hate something that doesn't look like you. It, it doesn't make sense. So it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't and make sense. But to say that, you know, you 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 don't have to quantify that you lead for everybody because you are a leader. But of course you have some affinity for black people because right. you're black. Right. You look at the policies of America. America was set up for who for for whom? For the people who set America up. White people. It's the truth. Yeah. So now other people are accessing what was set up, but it was not set up for any. It was set up by white people for the people who were present, which were white people. And the other people were present, but they were in power. That's how it worked. It doesn't make it that it's malicious. It's how it was set up. So um, I don't think that um, we should worry about helping each other or helping no, other people. Not of at color. All. It's important that we do do it. That's what I think. I, I, I think I mean, look, we, I think we have an obligation to, you know, make certain that as, as leaders, we have an obligation to make certain that every every resident has full access and opportunity to express um, every gift they have and to achieve, you know, every desire, you know, that they they may have. But mm-hmm. and, and no, no but to it and and make certain that you know, within the limits of city government that the resources are in place to do that. And we what we end up doing is when we don't do it, we end up deprived. We end up telling young people um, what you can do, but never really giving them the resources to to make that a reality. That's true. That's true. Um, I think um, I'm going to be honest, um, Baltimore needs new leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Jacko. Jacko is my brother. But Jacko said he didn't want to be mayor. And so I have to take that man at his word. And I totally believe that I think we need new leadership across the board. I'm, I'm not sure of the process of city council, so I don't want to say everyone in there needs to be new. I'm not saying that. But I think we need another path. Um, and I'm not sure who it's going to be, but Baltimore needs it. What do you and think? I, I, I want to get you in trouble. I know you're in the city no, council. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that... Gosh, <laughs> Baltimore, Baltimore, it, Baltimore don't want to hear this, but Baltimore has the leaders that Baltimore deserves. Yep. It, right. it, this isn't a monarchy and mm. like, nobody took Baltimore over by an army. We, mm-hmm. we vote for the individuals that we want to vote for. And so at some point, the electorate has to take responsibility for who they put in the office. If, if you don't do your homework, if you if you continue to put in individuals who serve themselves more than they serve the public, um, if you if you don't um, find out what people do before uh, the the um, motivation to get in office, you know, were they servants before they had a, a compulsion to be a candidate? Mm-hmm. Um, 
do, do, are these individuals that you know who walk the street and know your community? If not, why why, why are we continuing to put those types of indiv- individuals in office and then expecting them to do differently? That the, the 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 shame is not necessarily on them. They're doing exactly what they always said they would do. It, it's it's on us because we're voting them in. You're so right. You're so right. But the problem too, brother, <clears throat> I can't say brothers easily. <laughs> the problem also is we don't vote enough. The vo- of course True. we're not voting. That's that is a problem. And then there's so many ills in our communities that people can't look past their stuff to even think about voting. And I really think that voting should not be on a work day where people are suffering. They have to work. They have so much they have to do. People working two and three jobs. They don't have time to vote, unfortunately. And I mean, a lot of things. This I mean, I think voting should be a national holiday. I really do. I keep saying that. And people say I'm crazy, but I keep saying that. If we really think it should be democratic, give everybody else, give everybody a chance to vote and let everybody be off with pay. I just well, think so. This one, I mean, you know, obviously we are under different um, conditions in this pandemic, but 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 they the the state government has made some measures to make it more convenient for voting, especially with the early voting. Yes. Which, um, you know, changes the time frame that, you know, somebody can vote. So um, we can can we make it can we make it more convenient? Absolutely. Um, and, and, and we probably will eventually use more technology um, as long as the safeguards are in place. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that. Um, we, we've got to and this falls on the elected officials. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if I've achieved this is that we do have to we do have a responsibility to inspire um, confidence and motivate people to vote as well. Sure. And when we when we don't uphold the charge that we've been given as elected officials, then it it wears away at um the, the voters um, desire to even participate in the process when they see that they voted and their vote doesn't yield anything you know of significance for their community. Then sure. at some point um, you have to understand that, OK, as a voter, I can understand why you no longer participate because this this doesn't yield any benefit to your community. And so that's on us. Well, I'm glad you're taking that on us because you're right. It is on the elected official to actually be present and actually help the community so they can be inspired. Like, listen, when I'm voting, look what's happening in our community. That's right. Things are changing. And uh, a lot of people don't feel that way. So Baltimore needs some changes. We we need people who are, uh, what I would say is like inspired about seeing Baltimore's growth, inspired about seeing the people smile and, and, and enjoy this great city. That's what we need. We do. And if I can add just one other thing to it, there's a there's a passage of scripture that says where there's no vision, people perish. Mm. And um, we 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 need leaders also that actually have a vision for our community. Like it's not hard for me to have a vision about communities like Canton and Federal Hill and Fells Point that are around the water front. That that doesn't take a whole lot of vision. Um, Sometimes it takes vision to have. It, t- it takes a lot of vision to have um, you know, a, a bright outcome for communities that have been disinvested and disenfranchised for decades now. And so we, we need leaders that see the issues, see the problems, but have the ability to see beyond those problems and articulate a strategy, uh, at least a course to get us out of it. 
And um, I, I don't think we have a lot of visionary leaders. And so as a result, our communities are continuing to perish. Mm, recycle leaders. That's my issue. Some of these old, old, and I'm not saying like old in age. They've been there for a long time, 10, 12 years, 20 years. They got to go. We need, and I'm not saying young people, we just need fresh ideas, fresh perspectives, different approaches. Uh, we have to try different things. What's we, what we've been doing, we see is not working. Our murder <laughs> rate is still climbing and we're in a pandemic. Something's wrong with that. That That is not where we should be. So, I mean, we can talk about Baltimore all, all day. <laughs> and not, this is the Rona report. So um, we, in, in the Rona report, we do a last will and testament. And okay. so easily, he's an assistant pastor. He's uh-huh. a city council. So you, you're very good with the words. We need you to leave a jewel with the people to inspire them as we go through COVID-19. My, my faith tells me that the God I serve, he made a promise to, to not just me, but to those who would believe that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And um, he didn't qualify that by saying that I will leave you in the midst of a pain, that um. I will be with you for every through everything, but when a pandemic comes, I'm going to leave you. I'm going I'm to roll out. Mm-hmm. No, he, he promised that he's going to be there with us no matter what. And I know that um, for many, this has been a tough time. Um, this has been a time where there's been some sadness and some grief, but um, we will be the better through this. Um, I, I try to. I want to encourage you to hold on, um, remain strong, remain vigilant, and hopeful. Um, this dark time that's trying to take over our city will not last long. And, um, the God who, um, we serve, he didn't get surprised by this. And, um, we are going to come out of this better than we went in and we're going to love each other better. We're going to work with each other better. We're going to care for one another better. Um, he's going to turn this around and make it work for our good. And so, um, I just encourage you to hold on, be hopeful. Um, we're going to be better through this by and by. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Chief? Leon, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your perspective Easy as... Uh, Easy we, 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 We've worked out enough. We've worked out enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> we want to remind people they can't find it easily on the ballot. So let's at least close out with his name. (laughs) Um, We really appreciate you coming and sharing your perspective uh, from a position of leadership in your community and in your church community. And as a father, we really appreciate you adding your voice to the Rona report. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Y'all be safe and healthy um, and just continue to do what you're doing. If you've enjoyed this conversation and you would like to hear more voices from the Rona Report, you can find them at blackboxradio.com. That's B-L-A-K-B-O-X-X-R-A-D-I-O dot com. You can also find Black Box Radio on Facebook and Instagram at Black Box Radio and find us on Twitter at Box Black. That's B-O-X-X-B-L-A-K. And if you've heard this message, we need your help to share it. These messages are being suppressed on Facebook and other social media platforms. So please share it with your friends and family. Send a text, uh, send an email so that everyone can hear these important voices. All right. We're in that Rome report. We had Brother Leon Pinkett, City Council Representative for District 7 and running for City Council President of Baltimore City. Brother, Le- Brother Leon Easy Lee 
We really appreciated your, your input. I want to second what G said. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless everyone. All right. The Rona Report is 5820. This is Black Box Radio. We're out. Peace.